The next reading comes from Acts chapter 15, verses 36 to 16, verse 15. Sometime later, Paul said to Barnabas, let us go back and visit the believers in all the towns where we have preached the word of the Lord and see how they are doing. Barnabas wanted to take John, also called Mark, with them. But Paul did not think it wise to take him because he had deserted them in Pamphylia and had not continued with them in the work. They had such a sharp disagreement that they parted company. Barnabas took Mark and sailed for Cyprus, but Paul chose Silas and left, commended by the followers, or sorry, by the believers to the grace of the Lord. He went through Syria and Sicilia, strengthening the churches. Paul came to Derby and then to Lystra, where a disciple named Timothy lived, whose mother was Jewish and a believer, but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father was a Greek. As they travelled from town to town, they delivered the decisions reached by the apostles and elders in Jerusalem for the people to obey. So the churches were strengthened in the faith and grew daily in numbers. Paul and his companions travelled through the region of Phygia and Galatia, having been kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. When they came to the border of Mysia, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them to. So they passed by Mysia and went down to Troas. During the night, Paul had a vision of a man from Macedonia standing and begging him, come over to Macedonia and help us. After Paul had seen the vision, we got ready at once to leave for Macedonia, concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. From Troas, we put out to sea and sailed straight for Samaranth. And the next day we went on to Neapolis. From there we travelled to Philippi, a Roman colony and the leading city of that district of Macedonia. And we stayed there for several days. On the Sabbath, we went outside the city gate to the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. We sat down and began to speak to the women who had gathered there. One of those listening was a woman from the city of Thyatira named Lydia a dealer in purple cloth. She was a worshipper of the Lord. The Lord opened her heart to respond to Paul's message. When she and the members of her household were baptised, she invited us to her home. If you consider me a believer in the Lord, she said, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. As I said, we've been going through a series in the book of Acts recently, and so we're going to spend a bit of time now looking at that second passage. Uh, we've prayed already, but I'm going, to, I'm going to pray again now, particularly as we just come to reflect on this together. Heavenly Father, we do ask that uh, as we think about the significance of this message of Jesus that uh, has been declared to us and that we have to share with others, that you will give us... Um, confidence and conviction that this is your message and that you are achieving your purposes through it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, 
Our series in the book of Acts that we're doing at the moment is titled The Unstoppable Gospel, which, no, you can't see, is it back there? Yeah. Uh, And if you've been here in the series that we've been going through uh, on the way, then you'll have been hearing about that, but we've also been reflecting on the fact that sometimes uh, in our kind of human experience of that mission, it doesn't feel very unstoppable. In fact, sometimes it feels quite stoppable. Some of you will know that when I was a child, my parents were missionaries in Pakistan. But not for very long, as it turns out. We'd spent the first three years there, much of which was learning language and culture so that we could communicate well and connect well and understand and be understood by people there. And after those three years, we were back in Australia for a short period of home assignment. And during that time, my youngest brother, Jeff, was born. And so the plan was we were about to head back over to Pakistan and we were all ready to go, bags packed, stuff was shipped back over there. But then two weeks before we left, the doctors said, you can't go. That if we do go, Jeff won't survive. He needed some very particular medical treatment that he wasn't able to get over there and so we had to stay. And the doctors were right. And so that was the end of what was meant to be, from my parents' perspective and planning, a lifelong ministry in Pakistan. Years of planning, three years already of being over there and getting ready, and now it was over. Those plans, which were all about this unstoppable message of Jesus, the unstoppable gospel, were stopped pretty easily and pretty suddenly. And as I said, it does sometimes feel like the human face, the human experience of God's mission feels anything but unstoppable. And there's a situation in Paul's missionary journey that we read about here in today's passage that I think will help us to reflect on that experience, and we're going to come to that later. But there are really two kind of main episodes in what we just read there that I want to focus on in this section. And I think what this will do for us is this. It'll show us the difference it will make in in that kind of situation and in others if the good news of Jesus sits close to our hearts and sharing that message sits close to our hearts and that's what we care about. That is, if we long to be a part of God's mission and to see people saved and strengthened and matured through the message of Jesus, then it will give us flexibility in what we don't do and do in our own plans And it'll give us the ability to see and to know that God is at work even if our plans don't go the way that we think they should. So that's where we're headed. And as I said, there are two things we're going to particularly be looking at. And the first one is that when we are clear and firm on what matters, then we can be flexible for the sake of others. And the bit that I want us to particularly look at to see this is the beginning of chapter 16 from verse 1 to 3 where the Apostle Paul has a young man named Timothy circumcised so that he can, so that Timothy can join them on the mission. Let me read from verse 1 of chapter 16. You can follow along with me. Paul came to Derbe and then to Lystra where a disciple named Timothy lived whose mother was Jewish and a believer but whose father was a Greek. The believers at Lystra and Iconium spoke well of him. Paul wanted to take him along on the journey, so he circumcised him because of the Jews who lived in that area, for they all knew that his father 
was a Greek. Now, if you were here last week, then you might remember that we looked at this issue of circumcision then, and if you were here and you heard what we had to say then and what happened then, you might be a bit surprised to hear what Timothy does here in, sorry, what Paul does here in circumcising Timothy. Let me just recap and remind you if you weren't here or you can't remember. Last week we heard there was a big fight, a big blue in the church over exactly the issue of circumcision. And listen to how it was expressed in the beginning of chapter 15. It says this, Certain people came down from Judea to Antioch and were teaching the brothers, unless you are circumcised according to the custom taught by Moses, you cannot be saved. Those guys were saying, look, it's, it, it's great that you trust Jesus, but that is not enough. You need to be circumcised as well or you cannot be saved. And the Apostle Paul was dead against that idea and what those people were saying. He knew that circumcision, that insisting on circumcision was a false teaching and that ran, it ran the risk of completely destroying the good news that we are saved by what Jesus has done and not by anything that we do, not any religious practices or customs that we do. He even wrote a letter about it to the church in Galatia and he said this, he said, Mark my words, I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, Christ will be of no value to you. He was saying it's either Jesus or circumcision, not both. Because he said circumcision is putting your confidence in my religious activities instead of in Jesus. And so, as I said, Paul did everything he could to oppose this false teaching. So with that in mind, doesn't it make it all the more surprising that he had Timothy circumcised so that he could come with them on this mission. This mission that, in fact, involved delivering a letter from the apostles that was about telling people that they didn't need to be circumcised. Sounds like Paul is being inconsistent, that he's going back on the very thing that he has previously fought so hard for, and some people read this and accuse him of being hypocritical. He says one thing here and does something else over here. But you know, it's no accident that our author, Luke, has recorded this directly following what we just looked at last week. He's making a point, not a point about Paul being inconsistent, but a point about Paul's um, missionary strategy and his commitment to the message of Jesus. That is, when you are firm and clear on what matters, you can then be flexible if it's going to be helpful for someone else. So Paul was firm on circumcision when people were saying, you must do this or you cannot be saved. In those situations, he opposed it strongly because they were in danger of undermining salvation by trusting Jesus alone. And again, we talked about this last week. There is a vital question that needs to be answered. Who will God accept and save and on what basis? And if you're not sure about that, then let me say it is only Jesus. Jesus shows us God's open arms to welcome us to himself and trusting him is all that we need and all that God wants from us. He wants us to come to him in that trust. And Paul was clear and firm on that. But he also knew that a minor medical procedure really doesn't matter one way or the other. And so if people aren't insisting on it for salvation, 
and if this might help some people to listen to what they have to say, then he was willing to be flexible for the sake of others. See, Timothy not being circumcised when he went out amongst those Jews would have been an unnecessary barrier for those Jews to hear what they had to say. And so he would do what he needed to remove that barrier. This is what Paul says elsewhere when he says, to the Jews, I became a Jew to win the Jews. Or in this case, Timothy became a Jew to win the Jews. He was willing to do all kinds of things if it would be helpful for others to hear and to understand and to trust Jesus. And Paul doesn't just make Timothy do all the hard work. Uh, He does the same kind of things himself. We see later on in Acts, he follows along with strict Jewish vows and purification rites for the sake of his fellow Jewish believers, shaving his head, changing his diet, following rituals in the temple. He knows that what he eats or doesn't eat doesn't matter. He knows that rituals and special days don't matter. But he will do what he can if it's going to help others to hear and to engage with the message of Jesus because he knows that's what matters. And that should be the same for us. If we want people to hear the message of Jesus and put their trust in Jesus or to grow in trusting him, then that should make a difference to what we decide to do or not do so that we don't put any unnecessary barriers in people's way. So that's the principle we see here, firm on what matters for salvation, but flexible on what might be helpful for others. And as I've been thinking about this, and as over the years I speak to people about this, I do sometimes wonder, though, whether when we become familiar with this idea, we run the risk of sometimes turning that idea of being flexible into just being blasé and careless and thinking, well, nothing matters when it comes to salvation, what I do or don't do doesn't matter, and so we can be dismissive about all kinds of things. But if we are motivated by wanting to hear people, wanting people to hear and engage with the message of Jesus, then it should make us thoughtful and careful and deliberate, willing to do what is necessary or not do what is not necessary. Go the extra mile for the sake of others. And that'll affect how we dress, how we speak, what we do and don't do. It'll affect things that we do around church here and the ways that we do things. It'll affect that you do personally as you interact with friends and family and neighbours and work colleagues and Christians at church. And as I talk to people, there's one particular issue I think that this speaks into and that is going to church at all. Or going to church regularly. You often hear people say, you don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And that's exactly right. In that God does not accept you based on whether you're at church or not, or how often you're at church, as if God's got his big attendance record in the sky that he's ticking off each week and you've got to meet some kind of certain average. Now, I think we covered that pretty well last week. That is not how God accepts us or not. But do you see how Paul and Timothy's example changes the question from just, is this necessary for salvation, to, well, is this going to be helpful for others and for me? What can I do that will be helpful for others? 
And gathering for church is one of the ways that God has given us to encourage each other to trust Jesus. So how could we not want to be committed to that? Now, Timothy had a piece of his body cut off so that he could be helpful for others. If we know and trust, if we know that trusting Jesus is good and important, then it should make us willing to do what is necessary to be thoughtful and careful about what might be helpful to others. That's the first principle that we see here, that when we're motivated by trusting Jesus, we can be firm on what matters for salvation, but then flexible for the sake of others. The second principle that we're going to see is that simply remembering that this is Jesus' mission that we are on, not ours, and that Jesus is the one who directs his mission. And if we're committed to that, then that will help us when things don't go the way that we might think they should. You have a look with me from verse 6 of chapter 16. We see from verse 6, three times in just five verses, we're told of some kind of divine directing, directing by God for this missionary journey that Paul and Timothy are on. And there are two types of directing. There's negative directing, where Jesus stops them from going certain places and there's positive directing where Jesus encourages them to go to certain places but together it makes it absolutely clear that this is Jesus mission and that he is the one who's leading it and sometimes that involves Jesus closing doors even ones that we think should surely be left open and that we are ready to walk through. He does it twice here in in a short space of time. In verse 6, it says they were kept by the Holy Spirit from preaching the word in the province of Asia. They wanted to tell people about Jesus there and the Holy Spirit wouldn't let them. And in verse 7, they tried to enter Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus would not allow them. Now, we're not told how he prevented them or why, just that he did. It could have been something supernatural, so to speak, like an angel with a sword blocking their path. I mean, that's pretty rare, but it does happen sometimes. Or a prophetic word, which also happens occasionally in Acts. Or it could have just been something what we might call more normal, like a physical event or human action that stopped them from entering those places. But whatever it was, the point is, that Jesus sometimes directs his mission by closing doors, by stopping certain actions and directions from happening. And that can be hard to deal with. You know, we generally think of closed doors as a bad thing, right? There's a mission agency called Open Doors. There's not one called Closed Doors, as far as I'm aware. Closed Doors sounds bad. You know, we wanted to do something for the sake of Jesus but we were stopped. That opportunity was shut down for us. And from Paul's perspective, that must have looked like, surely, that his plans were failing. But even in those apparently negative situations from Paul's point of view, this is still Jesus directing his mission. Even closed doors are a part of that. And in this case, we see that Jesus closed doors because he was redirecting his mission to another place. And that place was Macedonia. 
after blocking their path into Asia twice, we're told, that is into modern day Turkey. If you think on a map, we, we all know where the Ukraine is now, right, because of the news. We're talking below and to the left of Ukraine. That's Turkey where they couldn't go. And they end up just across the water from Macedonia. And while they're there, Paul has a vision in verse 9 about a man from Macedonia who says, come over here and help us. And so they talk about it and they conclude that must be where God wants us to go and preach the message of Jesus. So that's what they did. I mean, they didn't just assume that the vision automatically meant that's where they had to go, but they discussed it and they agreed that that's what they should do. Again, we're not told why Jesus wanted them there and not here, but the point is that Jesus is entirely in control of this. He closed doors because he wanted to open other ones. And what follows then are three very personal stories about the impact that Jesus has on people in that place where he has now sent them in the city of Philippi. A businesswoman from Asia named Lydia, the very place where they were prevented from going, she heard Paul speak. She put her trust in Jesus when God opened her heart. The second one, a slave girl who was enslaved not just by her masters, but she was spiritually enslaved, and Jesus freed her. And the third one, a jailer and his family were saved by Jesus. Those are the personal stories that we hear, but on a bigger scale, this is the moment when the message of Jesus spreads for the first time to an entirely new continent. From this moment, we see new churches popping up in Macedonia and Greece, and now for the first time ever, this good news has reached the continent of Europe. And there was nothing wrong with Paul's other plans. I'm sure good things would have happened if he had gone to where he had intended to. And in fact, he goes back there later. That place doesn't miss out. It's just that in this moment, God had other plans. And sometimes God carries out his plans by closing doors. Doors that we think, maybe, should be left open. And this is important to know if we care at all about the message of Jesus spreading and growing because it will be hard to see doors close. I mean, that feels like a defeat, right? Whether it's things happening in the ministry of our church here or our missionaries that we support or you as you try to speak to your friends and family about Jesus. It's hard when our plans fail, when opportunities are lost. But we need to remember that there is a difference between my plans and God's plans even if my goals are the same as his. Because my plans failing are not the same as God's plans failing. I mentioned before about my parents' plans for ministry in Pakistan coming to a screeching halt. It changed the entire trajectory of my family's future and what my parents had thought was a good thing that they should be doing, that they'd spent years planning and three years already involved in. And as I got older, my dad talked about how difficult that was. You know, why would God spoil those plans? Why would he close that door? But obviously God had other plans in mind. And as it turns out, over the next several decades, my parents were involved in fruitful ministry here in Sydney, which 
involved, among other things, sending dozens of people out to other parts of the world to take the message of Jesus there. And, of course, the life and health of my brother, who is alive and well and himself involved in a fruitful ministry in Melbourne. Closing the door to the ministry in Pakistan didn't seem like a good idea at the time, but it was still God directing his mission. And we need to remember that in our situation too. And next week, we're going to have another, another visit from our ministry partners, Josh and Nikki. But we shouldn't be. According to our plans and theirs, if you know, last time they were here, they were about to leave to go to Southeast Asia to tell people about Jesus there. That was their plans and that was the plans that we were supporting them in. But now, a year later, because of international border closures, they are still here and they still don't know when they'll be going. And I can only imagine how unsettling and frustrating that must be for them and for their family and for us too, perhaps maybe at a lesser scale, but who want to see that ministry going ahead. Or again, in our own situation, as we think about the impact that COVID has had on things that we would like to have done and see happen around here. You know, it's discouraging to have to keep cancelling things. You know, the, the kids' holiday club track that, that's been cancelled two years in a row and other things that haven't been able to go ahead. But those are our plans failing, not God's plans failing. And in these situations, we need to remember that God is in control of his mission. Now, we won't always see the hand of God as he directs his mission, but we can know that he is. And that should encourage us when we face setbacks and closed doors because they're not really setbacks. They're just God redirecting his mission according to his plan. And I think what that does for us is it helps us to make sure that we are focusing on what actually matters. That the power of his mission is simply speaking the message of Jesus wherever and whenever we can. And if that's what matters, if that's what we really care about, then we'll find good things to do in the situation that we are in, even if it's not exactly what we had been planning to do, which is exactly what Josh and Nikki are doing now. And you can ask them more about that when they visit us next week. And that's what we should be doing too, as a church and as individuals. And of course we can and hopefully should make plans for how we would like to be doing that, but we still need to remember those are our plans, not God's. And what he wants from us is to just look for those opportunities to speak this good news of Jesus to people. That we can tell them that through Jesus, God has opened his arms wide to welcome people to himself. That is the message that God has left us with. And that is what is unstoppable. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we can sometimes feel that our activities, even ones that are well-intentioned and for you, don't go the way that we had intended and that can be discouraging. But Father, we ask that you will draw us back to remembering what it is that matters, that we ourselves, that the people around us, that anyone we can speak to, hears and trusts this wonderful news of Jesus. And we ask that you help us to direct our plans, uh, to choose our, our actions and our activities, what we do and don't do, so that we can make that all the more helpful for people. We pray these things in Jesus' name.
Amen.